How can you deliver more value by bringing together clinical expertise, financial understanding, and cost containment? We'll find out on this two-part episode of Shift Shapers. Change either paralyzes or energizes. The choice is yours. You're listening to the Shift Shapers podcast. You're about to learn firsthand from businesses and entrepreneurs who have successfully shaped the shifts in their industries. Get ready to become the change that you want to see. Here's your host and chief transformation strategist, David Saltzman. This episode of Shift Shapers is brought to you by Benazon Healthcare Advocacy. Your clients and their employees expect more service, more responsiveness, and more help than ever before. You need to focus on building your book. How do you do both? Benazon. To learn more, go to benazon.com or click the Benazon logo at the top of the shiftshapersonline.com page. How can you be the first to know about each week's podcast and get on the list for special listener-only content? It's simple. Go to shiftshapersonline.com and click the subscribe button. On this episode of Shift Shapers, we're talking with Peter Borens and Dr. Stacy Borens, who are brother and sister and who are respectively president and chief medical officer at Advanced Medical Strategies. And in previous podcasts, we've spoken an awful lot about self-funding as a concept, self-funding in terms of implementation. And the reason we're talking so much about it is because we know from listener emails that loads of people are interested. Lots of folks who have previously only dealt in the fully insured marketplace are now starting to look at self-insured alternatives, and the market's changing and accommodating a whole wide range of different size groups. So with that in mind, I thought it would be great to talk to some experts, and Peter and Stacy are definitely experts, at some of the different things that advisors who get involved in the self-insured universe need to start thinking about. And with that, welcome to Peter and Stacy. Thank you. Hello, David. Nice to be here. Hi, David. Thank you. Nice to be here as well. Good to have you both. So uh, it is a changing landscape, isn't it? You're seeing a lot of folks move from fully insured to self-insured? We are. We're definitely seeing a lot of people go that way. And I think there's a lot of reasons for that. First and foremost, self-insurance really offers an employer group much more control over what is going on with their healthcare dollars. When you're in a, a fully insured plan and Many people, the most familiar things would be, you know, Blue Cross of pick your state. They basically, claims come in, they get processed, they go out, there's discounts, but there really isn't a lot of control that you have. When you start to look at self-insured and you get into where a third-party administrator is looking at your claims, these tend to be smaller boutique shops. There are larger ones, certainly, but there tends to be a lot more oversight and actually a lot more interaction with an employer group. So although they may not fully understand sort of everything that a third-party administrator is asking them, these are their dollars that they have control over. And so making an informed decision about what is going on with their plan, I think has been very appealing to folks. I think additionally, with the rising premiums, moving to self-insured a lot of times makes a lot more sense. 
you can really structure and assess a plan in terms of how much risk you want to take and what layers you want to be involved in. And you have a lot more control in terms of picking who's going to manage you from whether it's case management or a third-party administrator. It financially makes sense. And it also, I think from a, a comfort level, employers have found that to be much more appealing than kind of that traditional fully insured boat with the way things are going. You know, we talk to folks oftentimes about self-insurance and they, the current wisdom is unless you're a huge group, they think that being self-insured is way scarier than being fully insured. That's not really the truth, is it? No, that's definitely not the truth at all. As a matter of fact, it's, I would define it as, you know, completely irrelevant. There's a whole host of new organizations and different products that are coming onto the market right now to address this very, you know, notion that is incorrect. You don't necessarily need to be this very large group in order to self-insure. As a matter of fact, because of the Affordable Care Act, more and more smaller groups are actually going to be looking towards self-funding in order to get around, you know, the taxes associated with it. So the more the water rises around taxes and, you know, health plans the way they exist today, being able to self-fund isn't all that more complicated to do. The idea comes from that it becomes more costly or that they don't really have the ability to get the right levels of insurance. And in fact, they can, just like your car insurance. You know, you spend more premium dollars depending on where your deductible sits. So if you want a $50 deductible and you get into a car accident, then of course your premiums are going to be higher. But if you're willing to take on some risk and you have a good administrator involved and you want to take on something that's more along the lines of a hundred or $150,000 deductible, then I think you're going to be in a much better space to be able to, one, afford it, two, manage it, and three, bend the cost curve associated with your benefits to your benefit. So once an employer and their benefit advisor have made the leap into the partially self-insured or self-insured universe, what are some of the things they need to start looking at that maybe they hadn't looked at before? Well, I think there's a lot of things that they actually need to start looking at far more closely than they may not have in the past. Again, traditionally in the fully insured world, you're sort of and I hate to use the word comfortable because you, you really shouldn't be, but most people have a level of comfort that the, the larger payer, the plan is sort of looking out for their benefit. When you make the move to self-insurance, you have to do a lot more of that diligence. And it, it's interesting just to sort of tack on to what Peter was saying before, particularly for smaller groups, there's sort of a whole boutique setup now where a lot of companies that do self-funding and offer stop-loss insurance are tailoring to the very small insurers. You can see groups, you know, even under 25 who can now become self-insured. When you're that small of a group though, if you have one patient that is very catastrophic, it really can, you know, sort of blow your entire budget. So you have to look extremely closely at what things actually cost versus what you're getting billed. You need to look at the clinical issues in terms of medical necessity, even of a lot of these smaller dollar things, because when you're a smaller group in particular, these types of things can add up. It's interesting that you asked this question 
I just sent out an article to the team over the, the, the weekend where some user on Reddit apparently posted a picture, a screenshot of a hospital bill for his brother, where the brother actually had some sort of broken bone, some sort of accident, ended up in the hospital for under a week, had some surgeries done, and they sent a screenshot as to what the hospital bill, and the title sort of on Reddit was, look at this really stupid hospital bill, and it was something in the neighborhood of $375,000. And all of the comments on Reddit were, you know, they were all funny, and they were all kind of hilarious and interesting about, you know, oh, what does that mean? Is that some sort of, you know, fancy room and whatnot? And I think the real tragedy is that it's not a stupid hospital bill. It's a real hospital bill. That's what it really looks like when you go into the hospital. And kind of the end result of the article was, well, the hospital bill was kind of ridiculous in terms of through it was $367,000. But, you know, my insurance covered one hundred and ninety, and then they wrote off the other 150 because obviously it was in network. And then, you know, my quote unquote out of pocket was really just my deductible. And so that's sort of the trap that many people fall in, particularly individual patients is, well, I'm only responsible for a few dollars here and there. So it doesn't really matter to me that they billed me $367,000, but it does matter. And it matters to your employer because all of that claims experience adds up to what you get charged for a premium. And the higher your claims cost are, the more risky you look as a group. So it's something that employers really need to understand their population. I can tell you that if you're the owner of a yoga studio or a fitness studio and all of your employees are yogis and vegan and in great shape, your premiums look a whole lot different than if you're in the trucking business or in the casino business or in the fast food business. Your population really dictates what your costs are going to look like in terms of your premium. So you need to start thinking about things that you may not have thought of before, such as wellness programs and smoking cessation and exercise and incentives for people to look at their own health, as well as you got to make these folks detectives. You got to have them looking at their hospital claims and at their physician claims where they wouldn't have before because anytime they can save their plan, their employer group money, that's a good thing for everybody. And we know lots of companies out there who have moved to self-funding where they incentivize their employees to actually do that, to make sure that they go through their own bill with a fine tooth comb, which, you know, most people in the world don't do. And, you know, it's because they don't understand it. And so, a lot of what these employers need to look at is becoming educated and educating their employees and getting educated themselves about cost containment and the right administrator and asking all sorts of questions. So it can be quite daunting when you sort of first jump into that self-funding pool, but it's well worth it for the sort of the benefits that you can see on, on the back end. But oftentimes you need strong leadership to be able to put those things into place. And now, a word from our sponsor. Today, you're being pulled in multiple directions. Employers want you to deliver a higher level of service and employee satisfaction, and you want more time to grow your business. How do you do both? Benazon Healthcare Advocacy is the answer. Benazon helps plan members understand, utilize, and maximize their health plan and answers their benefits questions 
while you improve productivity, increase client retention, and grow your book. The best part about partnering with Benazon is that your agency gets all the credit. Clients see your logo, while the Benazon team of subject matter experts work to ensure resolution to specific member information and service requests. Each agency gets a dedicated telephone number and year-round, 24-7 customer support that answers the phone with your agency name. Turn your benefit on with Benazon. For more information, go to www.benazon.com or click their logo on the Shift Shapers website. Benazon. Healthcare as it should be. Now, back to our interview. So let's talk about this brother with the $367,000 claim. Sure. Would he qualify as a high-dollar claimant, a phrase that, again, you start becoming familiar with when you start looking at claims reports? Absolutely. He would actually be sort of the quintessential example of a a high-dollar claimant. And I will tell you, there's a lot of sort of debate out there as to what constitutes a high-dollar claim, right? Because if you're me and you... $367,000 isn't just high dollar. You know, I'm bankrupt if I have to pay that on my own. So some people will say, well, $25,000 is high dollar and $50,000 is high dollar. In the world that we live in, we start to look at things that say $100,000 that are are fairly high. So $360,000 is a, a fairly catastrophic claim. And the thing that you have to look at is, well, where is that coming from? Well, this is a guy who, as I said, had a trauma and I believe he had two different surgeries. And although the screenshot really was only of what we call the UB92, which is the roll-up of the bill, so we couldn't really see the detail in the itemization, I would bet you dollars to donuts, and I know Peter would agree, that the vast majority of that came from whatever the implantable hardware was that they had to put into him to fix a bone. Those rods, those screws, those types of things. Hospitals, do a significant markup on those types of items where they may pay something in the neighborhood of $1,000 for something, they will charge you $10,000. So yes, $367,000 in any sense of the definition would be considered a a catastrophic claim. But if you're a small employer group, a $50,000 claim might be considered catastrophic for you. If your deductible is, you know, only $25,000 and you have somebody who hits $50,000 that you weren't expecting, well, and you don't have some sort of stop loss insurance behind you or that particular person was considered higher risk and you're on the hook for that, those types of people can really be business killers. I think Peter would probably want to add to that. I'm sure the minute I mentioned implants. Yeah, and I think I think it rounds back to your very first question, David, is, you know, what are the benefits of going into self-funding? I mean, there is a classic example when you go through this story here in that, yeah, it's, you know, where it ended up. But you can tell just by the notion of, um, not the notion, but the way the it was posted and the, the picture and the commentary that this was a managed care claim. And if you're in the industry long enough, it's easy to kind of see the difference between the two. So going back full circle to where we started is, had this claim been in a self-insured environment, then the ability to actually get that claim to not be catastrophic would exist versus in managed care. It is what it is. It's the old, you know, well, that's it. You have to pay me. So it's not all as well that ends well in that managed care scenario for all the reasons that Stacy pointed out. The inflation, the ability to do anything, the inability to do anything, and just the, here you go, it is what it is, and you're done. So 
it brings it all back full circle. The Shift Shapers podcast is a production of Strategic Vision Publishing and David Saltzman. This podcast may not be reproduced in any form, in whole or in part, without the express written permission of the producers. All rights reserved. Thank you.